TII Item 311, June 13, 2014, iOS 8 Beta 1. Welcome to Today in iPhone. I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullah! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Jeff for sending in the music you hear in the background. Jeff wrote... Hi Rob, I made this song with my iPhone 4S using GarageBand app. For free downloads and more music, follow me at JeffJ6 on Twitter. Regards, JeffJ. Thanks Jeff for the music, and folks, I will put the full song at the end of the episode. also want to thank Zach for sending in the artwork for today's show. Zach wrote the following. Hi Rob, I used the main iOS 8 wallpaper and the Instasize app and added text to it. Regards, Zach. Well, Zach, thanks again for sending in this artwork. And folks, you can see Zach's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 311. Or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash todayinios. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device that you would like to share with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, I think I've mentioned this once or twice before, but it bears repeating until it sinks in. The Apple iPad is not unique, nor necessarily the best of breed in the media tablet sector. It is spearheading. And it ain't gonna help Apple shareholders any. Unquote. Anders Byland, The Motley Fool, 11th of March, 2010. I think I've mentioned this once or twice before, but it bears repeating. Any financial guys from Wall Street type blogs have a built-in anti-Apple bias that has proven over the years to be almost 100% wrong. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 310, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the apps Eggs Boom and Smart Versus Phone. Getting those out later this week, you can find more info about these apps at the beginning of episode 310. This week, we have promo codes for the app Kudogram. One word. Here is the review from the dev. Hi, I'm Steve, the developer for Kudogram. Kudogram is a new app that I created to send short, positive emails in only four clicks. For example, if a supervisor catches one of their employees doing a fantastic job but doesn't want to interrupt them to congratulate them, instead of having to remember to do it later, they could pull up Kudogram, select the employee, select the pre-written message, and hit send. Teachers are also using Kudogram to send quick emails to parents the moment a student does something great. Something like, I thought you would like to know that Johnny was just having a great discussion with his peers about the topic we are discussing in class. Kudogram comes with several messages to get you started, and includes a simple-to-use template creator to make your own. Kudogram lets you import people from your phone contacts or from a CSV file through Dropbox. Kudogram is available now on the App Store. Thanks to the dev for his review of his app, Kudogram, and for sending in the promo codes to give away. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Kudogram in the subject line. Yeah, I could just see where two people, significant others, just finished up with their marital relations or in the midst of marital relations and for a little clicks, tell the other person what a good job they're doing. Just saying.
A quick reminder, if you are an app dev or an iBook author, email me if you want your app or iBook featured on the promo giveaway segment. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app or iBook indicating you are the dev or author. Also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. iOS 8 works well, but slow in some cases. Best to reload heavy power apps like online games. Regards, Kevin K. Hi, Rob. I upgraded to iOS 8 as soon as Apple posted the links on the dev site. I really like the new keyboard. It's very smart, especially replying to text. Only two bugs I've noticed, and they are, oops, and I redacted that part. So far, very smooth. Regards, Dev. Per my redacting the part about bugs, I don't want to talk about bugs in the betas. Because, well, they are betas. And the reason they have us looking at them is to find these bugs. It is kind of like me saying to my wife, I don't like the color of your hair curlers before we go out for the night. Or asking, are you going to wear that out when it's just a towel? iOS 8 is not ready yet. Plus, we will have lots of time to talk about bugs when iOS 8 Goldmaster is released in September or thereabouts. That all said, I did install the Beta 1 of iOS 8 on my iPad 3rd Gen, and this is without a doubt the most stable, foolish featured first beta Apple has ever released, in my humble opinion. I will likely be installing the Beta 2 on my iPhone 5S if the second beta is as stable as the first one. It is not perfect, and I have had a couple of crashes, but my kids use the iPad the most and are not complaining, and Minecraft works well, or at least works pretty fine on it, as does Netflix and YouTube, so they're happy. I should point out, I did do a fresh, clean install, so my iPad 3rd Gen is starting from scratch. I had wiped all the data, everything off of it, and I did not do any backups from previous backups. This means any legacy issues were removed from the equation. Some of the features I have noticed in settings general Siri, there is a new feature, voice activation, where if turned on and the iOS device is connected to power, you can activate Siri by saying, hey Siri, unless of course you live in Philly, New York City, or Long Island, where you say, yo Siri. Okay, maybe I made that last one up. In Spotlight Search, they added an option for Spotlight Suggestions. In Accessibilities, Speech, there is a new feature called Speak Screen. When enabled, if you swipe down with two fingers from the top of the screen, you will hear the content of the screen read out loud to you. And you can control how fast or slow it speaks out the text, and even have the iPhone or iOS device highlight it as it speaks the, uh, the words to you. I think that's kind of a pretty cool feature. Staying with accessibility, there is a new grayscale option at, that for your icons and other colors, pretty much all colors, uh, everything goes to grayscale. This is also added as one of the options for triple tapping the home button along with voiceover, invert colors, zoom, switch control, and assistive touch. So now you can triple tap that home button, and if you need the grayscale, it can turn on grayscale for those of you that are colorblind, and this helps out. 
There is now an option called Video Descriptions, which when activated and when available with videos, automatically plays video descriptions. Huh? More on that one in the future when I figure out what that really is. Nice to see, as always, Apple adding more features to accessibilities. Thank you, Apple. Another new feature comes under Usage, which is a cool one. It tells you the percent of battery used by different apps in the last 24 hours and last seven days. For example, 66% of battery usage in the last seven days went to Minecraft. To Netflix was 23%. And 5% to YouTube, 3% to the home and lock screen, and 2% to the game blocks. It does not show usage when charging, just battery usage when, well, using the battery. Note to wife, Need to get the kids off Minecraft a little bit there. Under mail, contracts, calendars, there is a new item called left triage action. Your options are mark message as read or unread and then flag or unflag message. This is for when you swipe left on an email message. By default, it will be set to mark message as read or unread. I usually flag a lot more messages than I mark as unread, so I changed it there to flag it rather than mark it as unread. Under calendars, part for default alert times, there is a new option turned on by default called time to leave. It uses your current location to determine a good time to leave for an upcoming event. Yep, sounds like a battery waster to me. Make sure to turn that one off. Another one for potential battery hoggishness is under calendars called time zone override. By default, it's set off. Quote, the time zone override always shows events, dates, and times in the selected time zone. When off, events will display according to the time zone of your current location. Unquote. Anytime I hear current location, I think battery drain. So turn that one on. Again, it was time zone override, which is off by default, and you want to turn it on to not have it look at your current location. Another new item under calendars is alternate calendars. You can now also select from Chinese, Hebrew, and Islamic calendars. And finally, under calendars, there are toggles for week numbers and also show invitee declines. They, uh, the latter of those is on by default, the former is not. Those were the major and noticeable changes in the settings app from notifications down to mail, contacts, and calendars. I'll go over more sections on future episodes. From the Google Plus community, Tony Law asked, quote, Did anyone notice that during the HomeKit portion of the keynote, there is no listing of Nest on the vendor slide for home automation devices? Unquote. Hmm. Sell out to Google for $3.2 billion and Apple is not happy. Or just possibly, Apple said, we're not going to talk to Nest prior to announcing this. And now it is public. Well, maybe they'll talk to them. Just because they you know, didn't want to give Android folks any heads up on this. Uh, I can't blame Apple on that side. So my guess is Nest is probably going to be last on the pecking order when it comes to Apple sitting down with them to talk about future un, as of yet undisclosed features and options. 
HomeKit is obviously a big announcement from WWDC about iOS 8, and HomeKit is pretty much what people had rumored it would be prior to WWDC. It is a way to easily connect and control devices around your home, from smart locks, lights, cameras, garage doors, plugs, switches, thermostats. Well, thermostat's not called Nest. It will work with Siri, so you can say, Siri, I am cold, turn up the thermostat. Or, Siri, I am hot, make it colder. Or, Siri, I just stepped in something, please turn on the lights. And, Siri, unlock the back door. I have a pug that is going to sleep outside tonight. Not that said things happened recently. Some of the uh, third-party manufacturers shown on the slide that Apple is working with and will have products that work with HomeKit are iDevices, iHome, Cree, Chamberlain, Skybell, Honeywell, Schlage, Philips, Quickset, Netatamo, or Netatamo, Hire, August, TI, not TII, but TI, as in Texas Instruments, Marvel, Sylvania, Broadcom, and Withings. Yep, 17 third parties mentioned, and Nest was not one of them. I am sure there will be more than a few Kickstarter projects to come along that work with HomeKit as well in the near future. Gizmodo had a post titled iOS 8, the best hidden features that Apple didn't show you. Some of the ones they listed are swipe to dismiss notifications. The notification center gets an upgrade in iOS 8 going from three tabs to two tabs. Today and notifications being those tabs. Yes, it is an upgrade. You can quickly customize widgets and you can dismiss a notification with a simple swipe. So no need to accurately hit that smallish X. Another item they mentioned is a smarter, safer Safari, and that is because of the addition of DuckDuckGo as an option for your search engine of choice. And there is a new list of your most frequently visited sites. We'll talk about future or new additions to Safari in a future episode. Fine-tune camera controls are another item that have been added. You can now tap to focus when taking a picture, and then there's a little slider that you can slide up and down to change the exposure. No more tapping all over the place on the dark or light areas to get it to hopefully change to the exposure level you want. Just make a change to the slider and get it where you want. And the one I really like is the improvements to the weather app. It now looks out nine days ahead and shows hourly weather for the next 24 hours. On top of that, it pulls the weather info from the Weather Channel, hopefully making it more accurate. So, nice addition there. Sadly, I can't test that yet because the weather app's not on my iPad. And finally, Gizmodo mentioned location-based lock screen notifications. Quote, we were so amazed when we first saw this on Mac Rumors, we had to go and check it out for ourselves. Sure enough, Apple has built elegant notifications right into the lock screen. Just walk into or buy a Starbucks and a tiny icon will appear opposite the camera shortcut. Pull up and you'll be magically transported into the app, the Starbucks app that is, and ready to make a purchase, unquote. I think one of the bigger announcements from WWDC with regards to iOS 8, and this is the one that a lot of people are saying, finally, more than, yeah, although they're saying both, kind of is the announcement of third-party keyboard support. This is something already supported on Android, and on the Android platform, the three biggest third-party keyboard folks are SwiftKey, Swipe, and FlexKey. With SwiftKey, 
previously launching their own app called SwiftKey Note that we mentioned previously on the show back in earlier in the year. There is going to be a lot more about this one in the future, but let me know from those of you out there that came over from Android or are living in both worlds now, which of the three keyboards are you most excited to get on iOS side? 206-666-6364, the 206 Moon Dog, or send an email to todayonios at gmail.com. Would love to hear what your favorite third-party keyboard is, if, even if it's not one of those three previously mentioned. Thanks to Michael for this next one, which is another new feature with iOS 8. And said new feature is that when in Safari and you go to a website looking for credit card info and you tap in one of the fields for the credit card, at the top of the keyboard is a new option, scan credit card. And it does what you kind of expect it to. It turns on the camera of your iOS device and allows you to scan your credit card and then enters the info automatically into fields. I tried this with a few different credit cards and some did a great getting my name and credit card number correct. Others just the credit card um, with some random characters that were not my name. Mind you, it's only beta and it did not populate the expiration date, which would have been nice. Maybe that will be added in an upcoming beta. It is smart and it did not take the number off my debit card just from the credit cards. Not sure if this next one goes under the category of not quite or just plain, um, no. An article in Information Week said the following, quote, Apple switches default search tool in latest OS 10 and iOS versions to Microsoft Bing, unquote. Um, no. Yeah, that seems like the right category. As I mentioned, my iPad 3rd Gen was wiped clean and then upgraded to iOS 8 Beta 1, and it is still using Google for the Safari search as a, result, as a default. Yes, in the past, Apple switched to Bing search for iOS for Siri, but that's old news, so last year. And this article made it sound like, in Safari, the default search engine would be Bing, and that is not the case, at least not yet. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, which is a comparison of the new iCloud pricing versus the competition. And this is an article from the LA Times that really would have been helped and benefited with a quick matrix chart. But let me summarize. For a free offering from the different services, Dropbox gets you 2 gig free. iCloud gets you 5 gigs free. Microsoft OneDrive, 7 gigs. Box.com, 10 gigs free and Google Drive 15 gigs free. So Google Drive wins on the free front. For the paid option, Dropbox is $9.99 per month for 100 gig. Microsoft OneDrive is $8.34 per month for 200 gig. Box.com is $5 a month for 100 gig. Google Drive is $1.99 per month for 100 gig. And iCloud, you pay just $3.99 per month for 200 gig of storage. So the new iCloud wins there. By the way, the old iCloud was $8.34 a month for just 50 gigs. So four times the storage at less than half the price now. In summary, if you don't want to spend anything, Google Drive is the way to go. But if you need more than 15 gigs, then the new iCloud is probably the best option for you. Thanks to Tash for this next one, 
which is an article on appadvice.com that is titled Hidden iOS 8 Settings Reveal Control Center and Lock Screen Customization Options. These are hidden in the code, not available yet even to the beta testers. In the internal builds for iOS 8, you can add, remove, and reorder Control Center toggles and even have them scrollable, wrote the dev Hamaz Sud on Twitter. And he even showed a screenshot about global plugin properties, leading him to wonder if lock screen extensions are in the future for iOS 8. Note, these are hidden features, and we have seen things come and go in the past that were hidden features. So it might just be Apple devs testing things out. And we might not see these until iOS 8.1 or iOS 9, or maybe never. But if we cross our fingers and all wish together, Maybe we will get it for iOS 8.0. Completely unrelated, but I now know when the next iPhone will launch. And it will be Friday, September 26th. I know this for certain because I just purchased tickets for a flight to LA on Friday, the 26th of September. And back when the iPhone 4 launched, I had tickets for a flight to Las Vegas when I played in the World Series of Poker. This time, it is for PodFest uh, that I'm going to LA, but it seems when I travel, new iOS or iPhones or iOS devices are launched. So now that I have my tickets purchased, I am pretty certain September 26th it will be. But I actually booked a ticket for a 12 p.m. flight that day, giving me enough time to wait online, if need be, to get my new iPhone 6 and still get to the airport with time to spare. And by spare, I mean like 30 minutes to spare. Can you say check bags only? Hey, Rob, it's Dave in San Jose. Just calling with a few comments on episode 310, in which you uh, talked about apps that can do animated GIFs, and also some way in which people can upload all their photos to a single service and then share them regardless of what phone they have. And I just wanted to remind you that you're kind of forgetting about an app that will service both those needs. And it's actually the same app that runs your online community, and that's Google+. If you turn on auto backup of your photos, it will back up your photos from either iOS or Android. And in addition to backing them up, I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, Google purchased an app called Snapseed, which has some great photo effects for improving the quality and, uh, in, and, and so forth on your, on your photos. And they have integrated the algorithms from Snapseed into Google+. So it uses a technique they call Auto Awesome to improve your photos for you automatically once they get uploaded. In addition to the Auto Awesome photo enhancements, if you take photos in burst mode, and have them backed up to Google+, it will create automatically animated GIFs from your burst photos, either in Android or iOS. And then, of course, you can share those with your other friends who are on Google+, or elsewhere. So that, to me, seems like the best solution that would do uh, a lot of things that your listeners are asking for right now. I hope that helps out, and thanks for a great show, Rob. Take care. Bye. Dave, thanks for the feedback on the automated gifts. Hi, Rob. Heard your last WWDC podcast where you welcome the new draft in iOS 8 for email. 
And the process you described, copying to notepad, etc., is not necessary. If you need some info from another mail or app, you can just cancel the mail you're working on, then save as draft, get the info you need, then return to the mail app, tap and hold and create new mail icon. Your drafts will then appear. Select the mail you were working on and paste the info you were work looking for. Much easier than the workflow you suggested. The new swipe down is a bit more comfortable, but just slightly. My favorite for iOS 8 is the cross-device pickup of phone and red messages slash SMSs. Regards, Wilco O. Wilco, thank you for that feedback and the correction there. Dear Rob, iOS 8 has all I wanted. I think I'll be trying beta 1 on my iPad mini. I'll wait for beta 3 for my iPhone 4S. I am in an upgrade year, so I'll be getting the iPhone 6 if they get everything we asked for also. Regards, Kevin. Hi, Rob. Here are two pics from the keynote that reveal the new devices. Name redacted. Actually, I get this email after every WWDC, as it seems Apple uses the same four phone for showing in the keynote presentations. It is the same one they have used the past few years. Nope, Apple is not slipping up and revealing anything about future iPhone designs. They're just settled on a simple, sleek phone outline to wrap around their iOS screenshots. Hey, Rob, it's Jeff Parmer, the magician uh, at greatmagic.com. And I just thought this might be a productive uh, conversation to start for all the listeners. Um, I am a, uh, or I used to be a big time user and evangelist for a program uh, in the PC world called ACT, Automated Contact Tracking. And it was a great platform to keep track of my clients and, you know, follow up with phone calls and what do I do next to try to close the next deal kind of thing. And, you know, my income instantly doubled and tripled and quadrupled when I started using this. And my biggest frustration is once I got to the iPhone, I got so, you know, crazy about the Apple products that I said, well, I better get an Apple computer. Really still to this day, you know, a decade later, I, I really haven't found something that I'm in love with as far as tracking contacts. Uh, I'm using a program right now called Daylight and uh, because I don't really like the idea of having my all my user data, you know, that I build, I build my database one, one prospect at a time and to go leave it on a server somewhere and have to buy that information back from them every year. That kind of bugs me. You know, again, daylight's very powerful. I've invested quite a bit of money in learning it. It's, it's not real intuitive. You can, there's a big learning curve in it, but I'm just wondering if any of the listeners out there have a favorite iOS device, uh, maybe coupled or not with their, uh, with their Mac at home that they use to keep track of their clients and their, their, you know, phone calls and calendar, you know, appointments and things like that to try to keep their pipeline going in business. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the show. You, got, you do a great job. Take care. Bye. Jeff, thanks for the voicemail. Folks, if you have a favorite contact management system app on your iOS device, one that you may sync back with a similar app on your Mac or even PC, let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. We are now well over 800-plus members in our Google Plus community and growing. We'll be at 900 pretty shortly. Thanks to everyone that has joined, and thanks for the great posts. 
by the way, if you've submitted to be part of the community and you haven't heard back or been accepted yet, let me know because I've accepted all but like five people. I think it might be spammers. So you might be caught if you haven't been approved. If you're not approved within a day of submitting, if you know, 24 hours goes by, you submit, you don't hear back from me, send me an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let me know that you're not a spammer and I will approve you. But I usually sit on the ones I think are spammers for a week or two. Anyway, thanks to everyone that has joined all the great posts. One post in the Google Plus community from this past week came from uh, David Finch. And this was per the WWDC announcements. And he said the following, quote, Lots for us devs to get our heads around this week. I think Swift might sink or swim. If the binaries can run on iOS 7, then fine. But iOS 8 is iPhone 4S and up, so I won't touch Swift yet if it rules out the iPhone 4 users. Also, no mention of any automation in migrating Objective-C code to Swift. Looks more likely that Objective-C code will coexist. Interesting that iCloud API now hosts the server-side code, though. Looking forward to that session this week to find out the details, unquote. Well, David, what is the verdict from seminars? And then David replied back, quote, Swift apps can be deployed to iOS 7 and iOS 8 devices and Mavericks and Yosemite. Glad to hear about that. Good work, Apple, unquote. And from Amico Friend, quote, Pebble Firmware 2.2 is out. So far, so good. Right top and bottom buttons become volume up and down by long pressing uh, the middle button in the music app. And now you can change the order of menu again with long pressing of the middle button, unquote. Thanks, Miko, for the heads up on that. This past week, there were also dozens and dozens of other new posts in the TII Google Plus community, which is an Android boys free zone and spammer free zone. Yep, it is the most civil Google Plus community covering iOS. Folks, go to todayinios.com slash community to join in. And thanks to the 800 plus of you already in the community and contributing. I also want to thank Renee Van Belzen for his post in the Google Plus community. It was titled, how to get to the Google Plus community in less taps. This is for those that have the Google Plus app installed. It makes it very easy to get to. Thanks, Renee, for this post. And folks, you can get to the link in the show notes for episode 311, or just go back to the June 7th post in the community, or back to June 7th and the community, and look for the post, which again is titled, How to Get to the Google Plus Community in Less Taps. Thanks, Renee. Apple has some really good deals right now on refurbished iPad minis. $379 gets you a 64-gig version. It's $150 off a retail. $319 gets you a 16-gig Wi-Fi and cellular iPad mini, which is $110 off retail. Remember, with refurbished iPads, Apple puts in a new battery and puts on a new case, so it's really like getting a new iPad. Apple had recently had a 16-gig iPad mini for as low as $219, but those are all gone now. The refurbished store is always a nice place to get a discount, especially for devs that are looking for additional devices for testing. Speaking of Appleware and discounts, thanks to Penny for the heads up on this next one. Best Buy at least online, and it may be at the stores as well, not sure. 
but at least online, Best Buy is offering up a $25 iTunes gift card with the purchase of an Apple TV, and you also get free shipping. I'm still bummed there was not a new Apple TV announced at WWDC. We are many, many, many months overdue for that new Apple TV. Not sure if this is an inventory clearing exercise or just random special deal. Link in the show notes to the page on Best Buy for this offer, which does not say how long it will last. Personally, I would recommend waiting for the next Apple TV, but I thought it was coming in March and before that in the fall. So who knows when the next Apple TV will come? Certainly not me. Okay, let's talk rumors. And this first one comes from the site Nikkei, N-I-K-K-E-I, titled Apple Flexes Healthcare Muscles with New Wearable Device. They are saying Apple's iWatch, so to speak, will be very geared towards a wearer's biometric info, working with the newly announced HealthKit app, and it is expected to hit the market in October. Quote, it will likely use a curved organic light-emitting diode, OLED, touchscreen, and collect health-related data such as calorie consumption, sleep activity, blood glucose, and blood oxygen levels. It will also allow users to read messages sent by smartphones, unquote. Nick Hay and those great unnamed sources claim Apple plans on monthly output of 3 to 5 million units. It seems all of this is based on mystery sources and speculation with a heavy dose of the latter. My heart has been broken with regards to the mythical iWatch many times now. I think I am becoming numb to some of these, quote, reports, unquote. Of course, others are not so numb and enthusiastically jumped on the reporting bandwagon like a duck on a Cheeto, including Recode.net, that's the All Things D folks new site, and, well, there were hundreds of other posts out there, all citing back to the post from Nikkei. On Weibo, Taiwanese singer, actor, race car driver Jimmy Lin posted photos of him holding the new iPhone 6, or so he says, from his pictures and others around the web, it sure does seem like the next iPhone will be the one with a single flash. Wonder if Apple figured out how to do the true, uh, true tone flash with a single LED. This is also supposedly a 4.7 inch iPhone. The ones, this one shows the power button on the right side moved down from the top of the iPhone, and it does seem that all the pictures are coalescing into the same picture. So. It's looking more and more likely that these leaked photos are the real deal. Thanks to Dr. John for this next one, which definitely is still in the rumor section. And that is per NPR that Apple is looking to pretty much give up on the standard 3.5 millimeter headphone connector. What type of connector are they going to? Well, instead, they're going to have headphones plugged directly into the lightning port. So no headphone connector, just the lightning port. So new iPhones at some point in the future, possibly even with the iPhone 6, would just have that lightning port at the bottom and no headphone port. And that would be interesting. Which, well, none of the quote leaked unquote iPhone 6 photos yet indicate that. They all show the headphone port right where you would expect it to be. So if this rumor does come to be true, it's not going to be the iPhone 6 or likely the 6S. It looks like... Apple wouldn't be doing this until 2016 at the earliest. So all this talk about removing the headphone jacks, well, that is kind of, you know, crazy speak anyway. 
To do something like that, Apple would need to have considerable cooperation from the largest manufacturer of headphones. Oh wait, maybe Apple will go out and buy a headphone manufacturer. That's even crazier speak. Well, that's one way to get people to invest in a new set of $300 headphones. Change the connector and say that there is some incredibly better acoustic response that only headphones that plug into a lightning connector can experience. I mean, after all, if you're spending $300 on headphones, don't you really want the absolute best audio quality? Another month, and another iOS 7 lock screen exploit. This one is actually easy to reproduce. First, two things needed before you start. In settings and control center, make sure access on lock screen is set to on. Then call the targeted iPhone and hang up before it answers. The first one, a would-be hacker would have really no control over. If you do not have that set on, then your phone does not have this exploit. The second would require the hacker to know the phone's number, which actually is pretty easy to get if the hacker has another phone with caller ID. Just activate Siri and ask her to call that number. Then you have the phone numbers of, of the device that called. Of course, the phone would need to have Siri active when locked, which iPhones do by default. And if you didn't know about Siri being able to call a number, you can go Siri, call 206-666-6364, and Siri will call that number for you. Actually, I think you need to say, Siri, call 1-206-666-6364, and it'll call. So let's assume most people have Control Center turned on, which, again, it is by default. And for the second one, let's say you know the number and want to do this as a parlor trick for your friends. So you call the phone, their phone and you hang up. Ask them to open an app. The message app is a good one to go with, as that can have some personal info. And most would not want to get out. And it's most likely to be the one that's open and active anyway especially when you're out and about at bars and stuff. Then with the app active, have them lock down the lock screen. Next, tap the home button, swipe up from the bottom to bring up control center, tap to put the phone into airplane mode, then swipe down to close control center and swipe down from the top of the screen to expose the notification screen. Then find the missing call that, that you know, the call that you did before, so it's showing as a missed call and tap on it, and voila! It displays the open app and personal messages you had if you had the messaging app open. So yeah, it's a pretty easy exploit to reproduce. If no app was active and all were minimized, then the exploit does not work. It only works if an app was active when the person tapped the power button to lock it or it just auto-locked. Hi, Rob. It's Laura in Nashville. I have two things that I've been meaning to call into the show about. And one of them is along the lines of the iTunes scam you were discussing earlier. There's also like an AT&T scam and, like, and other companies as well. It's so hard to explain, but it was really intense when it happened to me. Someone called me claiming to be AT&T saying that they were conducting a survey, blah, blah, blah. And I was in a busy moment with children in the car, and I took the survey, yeah, 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 confirmed my account, blah, 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 good day. And they, were, they said it would have been like a $20 credit or something. Well, later on, I got thinking about it. I was like, that's kind of weird. I don't really know if that's right. I don't believe that. And so the next day, someone calls me, says, they're AT&T, says, your account's been compromised. Did you take a survey yesterday? Yada, yada. Yeah, I did. 
Well, it, all of those calls were never AT&T. It was this ring of criminals who were calling me kind of back to back and gathering different information from each phone call in order to break into my account. And then finally, AT&T shut my phone down altogether. And it was just like crazy. I don't know how to explain it because it would take so long to give every step. But I say that to say, if anyone calls you claiming to be your carrier, wanting to do a survey or ask you any questions, say no thank you. And you can call them directly if you want to talk to them because it was so much trouble going through all of that and straightening it out. And then the second thing I wanted to ask really quick is if anybody out there had any great real estate apps to suggest, because I uh, am a realtor now in Nashville and I don't, I just wanted some cool apps to play with for that. So was just kind of filling out the group for suggestions. Hope everybody's doing well. Thanks. Enjoying the show. Bye. Laura, thanks for the feedback. Sorry to hear you got scammed there. And I know I have a few other people that listen to the show that are real estate agents. And if you are one of them, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Let me know what some of your favorite apps are as a real estate agent. And no, I don't mean Tinder to find other real estate agents. I mean apps that you use as a real estate agent to find and help yourself with clients. Well, I guess Tinder could be used, but I mean professionally. Into the email bag we shall go. Dear Rob, I wanted to share with you why Swift is huge for iOS. Development language that is focused on productivity makes it so the developer can focus more on providing new features that would be nice to have or concepts that haven't been made yet. I myself have been driven away from native development because Apple's old language was a lot more work to get even simple features thrown into the application. I've already started studying Swift and know for a fact that a lot of doors are now able to be opened because it's not going to take that long to develop complex features. Swift will definitely bring more full-featured applications that run far more reliably than ever before. Regards, Cody. Thanks, Cody. Hi, Rob. Earlier this year, Tim Cook said that Apple would be releasing new stuff that any reasonable person, quote-unquote, would consider a new product category. I remember reading the blogs at the time that speculated that maybe he was going to try to pass off a larger iPhone as a new category. I am sure Apple has other things up their sleeve, but I now wonder if he may be have been referring to Swift as one of those new categories. Also, HealthKit and HomeKit. What are your thoughts regards Preston? Hi, Preston. I'm not sure I qualify as a reasonable person these days when it comes to speculation on iOS stuff. But I would say Swift definitely is not a new product in the sense of a product. It is a new language. It's a new tool. But at the end of the day, again, it really is just a tool for devs and not something directly for end users. I think it has to be something for end users to be considered a new product. If you're a reasonable person, that is. And under those conditions, then yeah, HealthKit and HomeKit could be considered new products. Hey Rob, love the show. I was wondering what your opinion is on the headphones for the iPhone 6 possibly having Beats technology. Do you think the new headphones will include it? Or do you think they will be kept separate? I'm kind of hoping for some new headphones. I have the iPhone 4S and I'm looking forward to upgrading this fall. I have yet to try the iPhone 5 earbuds, but have heard good things. Either way, I'm excited to get some new buds. Regards, Day. 
I think at some point, yes, Apple will integrate Beats offering with the phone iPhones as the standard headphones, but definitely not the iPhone 6, just not enough time. There is a lot of learning and cross-cultural stuff that needs to take place first, but in future, yes, iPhone 6S or 7 will likely have some Beats tech with it. Hi, Rob. Just wondering about the new hotspot feature where your Mac will connect with your phone and use its data for internet connectivity. I have the old grandfathered plan that will not allow you to use your phone as a hotspot like those that uh, have the newer family share plans do. Is AT&T going to allow this to occur or do they not even have control over it in iOS 8. Frankly, the hotspot jailbreak apps are really the prime reason I ever jailbreak in the first place. Regards, Don from Guntersville, Alabama. From all I have read on this, if you, like me, have the unlimited plan from AT&T, still grandfathered plan, we will not be able to use the hotspot feature and keep the grandfathered plan. If we want tethering, we will need to give that up. And insert sad trombone here. Higher up at WWDC 2014, they announced a dark mode for Mac OS X Yosemite. Before the announcement, one of the three features I wanted on iOS 8 was dark mode. Well, let's break it down. In 2013, they had quick reply for Mac. Now in 2014, they have quick reply for iOS. 2014, dark mode for OS X. Or it's 10. I know. I guess it was 10. Uh, 2015 dark mode for iOS question mark what's your take on this would you like a dark mode thanks Usama well thanks for the email and for pointing out that trend yeah that might be a feature that makes it to iOS 9 hi Rob Wayne Henderson here from the under the dome radio podcast a quick question not sure if it's anything that can be fixed or not but it's driving me crazy I've got an iPhone 5s running the latest operating system. And in my home, I have Verizon Fios for my internet, which is great. It's nice. It's fast. I also have Verizon Fios TV. The only problem is I want to use all of these cool Fios apps, you know, to maybe schedule remotely and do all these things. However, I use an Apple Airport um, Extreme to take care of my Wi-Fi. Verizon has told me those apps will not work, and this is absolutely true. They, they, I can't get them to work. Verizon has told me that those apps will not work unless I'm using the default Fios Wi-Fi signal. I think that's insane. A Wi-Fi signal is a Wi-Fi signal. What, what do they care? But they're just trying to control things. Now, is there any way around it that you know of, or do I just have to live without those apps, which obviously I've been able to do so far. Just checking. Thanks, Rob. Wayne, I really have no info on this, but it sounds like, well, it sounds like exactly what you said. It doesn't work and it won't work. But maybe someone who's listening has Verizon and had the same situation that you had and figured a way around it. So if anyone out there can help Wayne, give us a call or send us an email, let Wayne know if it's possible to actually use another router other than the one from Verizon to then use those Fios apps at home. Thanks. Hi, Rob. My name is Ton, and I've been a fan of your show since I discovered it around 2010. 
I recently developed a Kickstarter project with a group of close friends that I'd love for you to share with the TII listeners. We looked around and saw how the premium headphone game has been going strong for the last few years. With the recent official news of Apple's acquisition of Beats, Apple will be pushing premium headphones by Beats. Also, with the rumored increase in size of the iPhone, audiophiles will literally have their hands full, not to mention pockets. We decided to launch D-Loop on Kickstarter. D-Loop is the world's first premium headphone bag built to protect virtually any pair of headphones while simultaneously carrying your mobile devices, personal belongings, and today's relevant digital media, all in one stylish, compact bag. For more information, please visit our Kickstarter page by searching for D-Loop at kickstarter.com. That's D-E-L-O-O-P. One word. Regards, Tan Choi. Well, Tan, thanks for the email. The Kickstarter project has until June 26th at 10.02 a.m. Central Time to get funded. Currently, they are over $12,000 towards their goal of $20,000. Pricing for the D-Loop is $68 right now. While that level less, then it goes to $78. Estimated delivery is October 2014. And if they're late and you order it, I'll give you Tan's email. Just kidding. Maybe. If you are thinking some Beats headphones are in your Christmas future or birthday future, or you already have a pair of Beats or Bose or some other over-the-head, over-the-ear type headphones, go to kickstarter.com and search for D-Loop, D-E-L-O-O-P. Thanks, Tan, for the heads up, and good luck with your Kickstarter project. Seems Apple opened up its checkbook again and wrote another check for a mapping company. TechCrunch is reporting that Apple is acquiring the app SpotSetter, which is a social search engine for places. Their technology, quote, involves layering social data on top of map interfaces, which could be used to beef up Apple's maps with features competitor Google lacks, unquote. According to TechCrunch, the two founders of the company are ex-Google Maps engineer Stefan Tay and Johnny Lee whose LinkedIn profiles now point to their move to Apple, which, you know, is a good sign it actually happened. Another good sign that it happened is that the app was pulled from both the iOS and Android app stores, which is something that usually happens when Apple purchases an app company. If anyone has used this app and is still using it, give us a call or send us an email and let us know what your thoughts of it are or were. Hello there, sir. Um, this is maybe, I think, my second time calling in or voice memoing into the show. <laughs> um, I've been listening for a while, basically since maybe three, four years now since I had my 4S. But anyway, the um, reason that I'm contacting you is because I recently got a letter from Sprint that in a nutshell says that I roam too much, I guess because my whenever I'm at work, my phone is either constantly saying extended and then 3G or extended and then 1X. I'm not really 100% sure what any of that means, but apparently that means that I'm roaming. And apparently Sprint doesn't like that. So because they don't have service in my building, 
somehow this escalates into this being my fault. And now they're talking about they're kicking me off of their network and terminating my service and blah, blah, blah. Something about this is effective July the 8th, which, okay, because they were like, we understand it's inconvenient to try to find another carrier and blah, blah, blah. But whatever. So I was wondering... um, A, if anybody else has gotten this stupid letter from them, and B, I don't understand how this is my fault that their service is terrible, but okay, I guess you get what you pay for. I mean, main reason I got Sprint was because I think that they're the only ones that I could find anyway out of the big four that will offer unlimited data for an iPhone. It seems like everybody else doesn't. So to those of you who don't have Sprint, um, what are your data plans looking like for like a single plan? Because it seems like all of my family and friends seem to have family plans and I'm not on anybody's family plan and I didn't really anticipate it. Anticipate being on anybody's family plan because I can't do shared data because I don't have Wi-Fi at home and I don't really intend on getting Wi-Fi at home. So I need to know what I need to do. Do I just need to just suck it up and just change my data usage habits because I really don't want to do that? Um, Somebody else said something about Straight Talk Wireless and Metro PCS or some other form of prepaid plan. They said something about since Sprint is going to waive my termination fee and I guess I don't have to pay my last month's bill either. I guess that makes my phone clear to be either sold or activated somewhere else. And I guess if I find a a prepaid network that is CDMA capable, then I should just be able to keep the 5S that I have and just activate that onto a prepaid plan. I don't know how that works or how true that is maybe this is a question that's better left for apple which i'll probably end up calling them too but i just wanted to see if anybody knew any tricks to the trade so if you or the viewers want to get back to me that'd be great thanks hi marie in this situation they definitely should be unlocking your phone completely so it should be able to be taken to any of the carriers because the current iphones are both CDMA and GSM. And if you have a phone on Verizon or Sprint, you should be able to take it over to AT&T and T-Mobile, the current versions of the iPhones. Now, that said, you probably want to look at T-Mobile and see if they have good coverage in your area. That's going to be the cheapest of the ones out there. So you want to check T-Mobile out, talk to your local T-Mobile people, and see what it's going to take for you to get that phone once Sprint is unlocks it and makes it free and clear see what you need to do with t-mobile they're the ones you got to talk with at this point and they're going to have to give you a sim card for it uh to get it to work so it's not going to just you have to bring it in so go to your local t-mobile talk to them see what they have to say and when you're all said and done on this please call back in and let us know exactly what you did and any headaches or smooth parts of the process for you and again just let us know how it went for you. Hi, Rob. I'm a devoted TIA listener ever since I discovered your podcast roughly around episode 190 or so, and have asked for your advice and opinions previously. My reason for writing today is regarding the family sharing feature mentioned in iOS 8. I just recently bought an iPhone 5 32 gig to use on Ting and wanted to give my wife my old but perfectly good and, and excellent condition for us. She's been using an old LGA Android phone and can't wait to get rid of it. When I first heard of the new family sharing plan, I thought it was a great idea and figured that this would be what we would 
be doing going forward as she already has an iPad Air registered under my account. But the more I thought about it, I'm no longer sure it would be really worth it or even matter. I also read the other day on one of the Apple-centric sites that certain in-app purchases won't be shareable. Is that a word? Even with the new family sharing set up. In your opinion, for circumstances such as this where it's only going to be a couple of people under this new sharing plan, is it even worth it? My wife does have an Apple ID, but other than buying some music through it maybe six or seven years ago, she only uses it now to be signed into FaceTime and iMessage on the iPad and eventually the 4S once it gets set up for her. Currently, when I back up the devices via the computer, I do so under each other's name, my iPhone, her iPad, etc. I have already bought quite a bit of apps with in-app purchases, so she doesn't even bother looking to buy anything under her account. It's not like we're secretive with what we buy, uh, where I don't want her to see what I buy and vice versa either. We are each signed into our own Kindle, Dropbox, Google Drive, Facebook services on our own devices as well. I would assume that she could use the phone the same way she's been using the iPad with being signed into my overall account, but use her own ID for other individualized services mentioned above. Neither one of us uses iCloud, so that's not really a concern. I was also planning on getting my mother a mini and am of the same mind with the ID setup. Anyway, the more I think about it, the more I'm inclined to continue with this setup and thought I would ask if you had any opinions in favor or against it regards Chris. Chris, we have a plethora of iOS devices in our house, obviously because of the show, but we have them all running off of the same iTunes account for purchasing apps. For each individual device, however, we have different emails so that you can FaceTime between the different iOS devices. So from that perspective, we keep them separate, and you want to do that too, but I don't think there's an issue. I haven't run across an issue just all using the same iTunes account. Now, maybe someone else out there can tell me why you want to have different iTunes accounts in the same family. But for the family thing to work, all the iTunes accounts have to be registered to the exact same credit card number. Personally, for me, I'm just going to stick with the one iTunes account for all my iOS devices until that no longer works. Hi, Rob. I would like to know if there is an app that will allow you to record gameplay on your iOS device. I have heard of a software called Reflector, where you download it on your Mac or PC and then use AirPlay to stream what you are doing from your device to your Mac or PC but I would like to know if there is an app you or your listeners could recommend so I don't have to go down this route. And it's all recorded right on your iOS device. I have heard of an app called Display Recorder for jailbreakers, but I am looking for one that doesn't require jailbreaking. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Regards, Steve in Brisbane. Hi, Steve. I have Display Recorder on my non-jailbroken iOS device, there was a short window where it was available in the App Store. Sadly, iOS 7 broke it on the non-jailbroken side. And the only way I know of recording what is going on on your iOS device 
directly on your iOS device is to be jailbroken and use the updated version of Display Recorder, which does support iOS 7. Sorry, but if anyone else has a suggestion for Steve, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Thanks to Kristen London for the heads up on this next one, which is from 9to5Mac and titled Cydia gets updated with better repository and package management, iOS 7 style icon, other fixes. So the next time you open Cydia, you should be asked to upgrade. Nice to see them do an upgrade and get a little more polished looking. Cydia always kind of looked very iOS 3.0, even iOS 2.0, which clashed pretty hard with iOS 7. There is more info on this upgrade in the aforementioned post, including a note about improved authentication during checkout of purchasing of an app or tweak. So that's nice that they're improving that side of things. Hi, Rob. In episode 309, two-step verification was discussed. My daytime and usually nighttime job is running a mobile security software and solutions company. This is a white paper we typically give out to our enterprise customers to explain the difference between two-step, two-factor, and multi-factor authentication. Hope you find it helpful. All feedback on it is appreciated. Regards, Larry K. Larry, thanks for the heads up on this. And any IT folks out there, this is a nice white paper to have to explain two-step verification process versus other types of verifications out there. Make sure you right-click on the link and choose the open in a new window if you're using Safari. Otherwise, it doesn't open quite right when you click on that link. And if you go to episode 309 in the show notes, you will see the link to Apple's FAQ about two-step verification. Hey, Rob, this is Sal out of upstate New York. I had a question. I was listening to show 310, and I hear GIF being pronounced as GIFT a few times, actually. So I'm wondering how that correlates with the word gin and why it wouldn't be pronounced gin at that point if you're using the same uh, basis for that pronunciation. I think the word should be pronounced GIF myself. But anyway, enjoy your show every week and uh, look forward to all the episodes. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Hi, Sal. I know from time to time, with time to time in quotes, that I mispronounce a word or two or ten, like malware, or is it malware? But in the case of GIF, to say it should be GIF, like the peanut butter, because that's how gin is pronounced, overlooks a few other examples. And that would mean we should say it is jiv instead of give, or jurl instead of girl, or jod instead of god. And well, you get the idea. So I'm sticking with GIF, no matter how much flack you want to jiv me over it. Hi Rob, I noticed now that Freedom Pop offers an unlimited voice text and data plan for phones for $20 per month where the first one gig is 4G speeds and then it drops to 3G speeds. Looks like a pretty good deal. Feel free to share my Freedom Pop email address A-C-H-A-Z-E-N at gmail.com. So if anyone wants to friend me and get the 50 meg Bonus, please do so. Regards, Arnie. Arnie, thanks for the feedback. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to give you and the listeners a heads up on Freedom Pop customer service. Everything will go along smoothly and quickly as long as you're buying or upgrading your account. I'm speaking specifically about free data for tablets. 
it will take about 10 days to get your Photon or other device if you're lucky. However, please make it clear to your listeners that if you need to downgrade your account, such as return to all free data, Freedom Pop will put you on eternal hold, hoping you will just give up. It is rude but effective strategy to maintain business. Sales, tech support, and customer support have all been trained to do this by saying, okay, just a moment while I connect you to our downgrade department. You may never get a real human being to talk with. I don't know the answer, but sure would like to warn others. I only wanted to downgrade until I'm able to actually use Freedom Pop consistently. Very frustrating. Regards, Rob M. Hi, Rob. Thanks for the heads up on that. Folks, remember, if you need to downgrade and you get put into the downgrade hold chasm, what you can do oftentimes is hit zero. And when you hear a prompt, if it asks you a question, talk gibberish. Like, a sleeveless vest has no ice cream, and things like that. And that often confuses voicemail systems. They try to figure out what you're saying, and when they can't figure it out, they are set up to transfer anyone it does not understand to a live body. Tell them no one is picking up, and you are calling your credit card company to cancel the billing if they transfer you to downgrade Oblivion again. See how that works. Here's a promo for the BSMG cast. I mentioned it on the last show, but did not get a chance to play the promo on that episode. Here we go. Hey, Rob. Thanks for letting me get a chance to talk about my podcast. It's the BSMG cast, big screaming mobile gaming podcast. And it's a podcast dedicated to gaming on iPad. I talk about reviews for apps. I talk about news. I try and anytime I get a listener email or voicemail in, I want to give them as much time as possible to talk. I want to be as, as a community because I believe gaming on iPad is made it to a point where it is like gaming, a gaming community out there for people. And I want to be that center, at least as much to that point as I can. If anybody wants to give a listen, check me out. Website is bsmg.micred.com. That's bsmg.micred.com. And you can find me on iTunes. I got a couple episodes up. Give it a listen. Thanks. Folks, if you are a podcaster, Feel free to send in promos for your shows to be played on the podcast. And before we go today, I want to remind you to send in your feedback to the show, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. The feedback can be a question or comment for something someone said on this episode, or it can be a question or rant you have about something else. An app, a product for you, good or bad, as long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you created on an iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on an iOS device to play on the show. This is your show and your feedback is greatly desired. And finally, don't forget to check out our moderated Google Plus community by going to todayinios.com slash community. And that, folks, is going to do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.